Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I really want to encourage you to lean in. I've got so much notes and when the Lord really needs to help me to just deliver this message well because I've really thought long and hard and prepared well for this morning. Because it's a three-week series that we want to inspire you. We want to inspire you to be bold, to be brave, to be courageous, to be gutsy. Let me tell you, we need all those characteristics if we're going to survive and thrive in this world. If we're going to thrive as a Christian in this world, we need to be all those things, bold, brave, courageous, and gutsy. I love that phrase, gutsy. And we're going to be talking into, over the next three weeks, about facing our fears, and Josh is going to be doing that. He's launching that in Mansfield this morning. And uh, Stephen will be passing through again, our campus pastor from Mansfield. And he's going to be talking about how we can uh, be fearless with standing strong on our courage and convictions. Which again is another incredible message. But this morning it's my joy to talk about fearless and we are not afraid to fail. Interestingly on the running card, I just noted to the guys, they put on and it says, fearless, we are afraid to fail. Okay, it is not we are afraid to fail. We are not afraid to fail. I want to speak into the whole thought of how people live their lives. And the message that I want to just use as a headline verse for the next three weeks is found in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 to 14. And don't worry if you've not got your Bible. All the passages, the verses will come on the screens. But I just wonder if you just lean in to the message this morning. Get your notepads, get your pens, get your phones ready. Because I really believe that these are going to help you, equip you practically and in principle how to live this kind of fearless life. So Father, we commit this message to you. We thank you again that the Bible has so much to say, so much to show us, teach us this morning. Holy Spirit, take these words of mine and plant them in every heart that is open to you. Those who are fearful, those who are fretting, those who are worried, those who are concerned, those who have lived with past mistakes, I pray God that you'd speak specifically to them. Those who are in a situation where they're tempted to compromise, I pray Lord that there would be a fearless or audacious, bold, brave spirit that rises within them and that we will take this message and we will stand strong on the message that you have given us. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said together. Uh, And everybody said together. Amen. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 to 14 says this. Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. There's other verses that speak about a fearless, you know, courageous, full of conviction kind of life. It's these verses. Keep your eyes open. You know, whenever trouble comes, we're tempted to do this, aren't we? And Paul is saying to the church, don't do this. Keep your eyes open. Sometimes situations I've faced, I've literally stared the situation out. I thought, I am not going to blink here. It's not a game here, but I am not going to fret here. I'm, not, I'm just going to, I'm going to face this out. I'm going to hold tight to my convictions according to God's word. And I'm going to give it all. I'm going to be resolute. And I'm going to love without stopping. 
You know, the fact is, when we think about fearless, and particularly around we are not afraid to fail, I can think of many times when I failed. Many times when I failed, and to be honest with you, it's not been a big deal if you're taking your theory test for your driving and you fail it the first time. Listen, it's not life-altering. Just get up and learn a little bit more and go again. If you've failed your test, your driving test, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not a life-altering. You know, you've failed your GCSE exam to those students here. Listen, we want you to pass, but it's not life-altering. You go again, get some tutoring, get some help around you. You'll, you'll do it. Am I speaking to anybody today? Don't let it be that it's the end of the world. But there are some failures that we face can really, really affect our hearts. They can knock our confidence. Am I speaking to anybody today? They can do something deep within us that sometimes we can't even articulate. I don't want to give you an example, but there's been a couple of times where that's happened in my life where I've literally, it's knocked all my confidence. My confidence to even make decisions. Just feeling like I I couldn't make a decision because if I make a decision, I'm going to get it wrong like it did before. And it feels like this failure has just, it's lingering. It's like a bad smell. It just lingers. Again, am I speaking to anybody here today? And this kind of failure can grip us and can hold us. And yet it's the very thing that Jesus came to break. Julie was declaring breakthrough. I want to speak breakthrough over people who have been, who have been you know, full of fear. I want to speak a fearless spirit into you. I want to call it out in Jesus' name. This morning. Again, I'm not talking about hyping you up. I'm talking about hoping you up. There's a hope in your hearts that something begins to rise and you go again. But the point is, I'm not afraid to fail any longer. I want to tell you that I am not afraid to fail any longer. Failure has held me bound, but I am not afraid to fail any longer because I've entered into a fearless spirit. There's a bold declaration, but I want you to know that's the truth. Fear has lost its power over me. The fear of failure has lost its power over me. You know, when you aren't trying to avoid failure, fear loses its foothold. And the thing I want to say about this as well is the courage to take a chance is half the battle. The other half is viewing failure As a teacher, not as an enemy. I'll say that again. The courage to take a chance is half the battle. But the other half is viewing failure as a teacher, not as an enemy. There are people who spend their whole entire life trying not to fail. And they waste their lives. If you're here today, you're wasting your life. Failure is a part of life. It's a part of our growing. It's a part of our development. It's a part of our learning. I honor the great Billy Graham. If he was here today, he would say, there's nothing great about me. I serve a great God and I carry a great message. That's one of his quotes. But I use it very carefully because he lived his life with impeccable integrity and humility. And I'm so pleased that even the British news have literally put out a, you know, a biography of just the way that he lived his life. But here's the point about Billy Graham, and I've done a lot of work around Billy Graham, as in read, read a lot about him. I've, I've, I've looked at his life over many, many years because he's, he's held as a leadership um, success in many ways. But the thing about Billy Graham, that he took notable risks in his life. 
Everybody thinks he lived this safe life. It was like a, a blessed life. It was like a favoured life. It was like he, he, everything he touched turned to gold. I want to tell you this man had incredible challenges, incredible oppositions, and had some failures along the way. There were some regrets that he took, but he was willing to step in, and he did not allow the fear of mistakes stopping him from moving into all that God had for him. It says that Dr. Martin Luther King who, who really was, was the, the result why, you know, the segrega- segregation that happened in, in North America, he broke the divide and thank God it continues to be broken in Jesus' name. There is no divide. We're all human beings. It's not about the color of our skin. We, we, we're people. Can I hear a big amen? And thanks be to God that God raised up at a time Rosa Parks who stood us fearlessly on a bus. We had Dr. Martin Luther King who demonstrated across the streets of North America. But it said of Billy Graham, Dr. Martin Luther King said, it's as a result of my friend, Dr. Billy Graham, that we managed to you know, push this forward in America. He's often not credited with you know, standing strong. There was a lot of people who criticized him because he didn't go on the marches. But what he did do in his, in his rallies, in his crusades, he brought no segregation. He brought blacks and whites and Hispanics together in Jesus' name. Lots of things that he took risks on and about. But we could spend our times, and I'm not eulogizing Billy Graham because he's just a man. But I do want to look at another man in the Bible by the name of David. I don't know whether you give me a wave of the hand if you've ever heard of the story, David and Goliath. Just give me a wave of the hand. Everybody, if you've done it, come on, I want to see the hand up. Okay, we're going to look at this story very briefly. It's a long story. We're not going to read all the verses together. But I want to look at this life of David. But before I get there, I want to talk about David for a minute. What I love about David in the Bible is that his life is like an open book. You know, it's almost like he's available to be read by all men. I'm not sure I would want some of my stuff lived out like David has had. We see David's passion. And his wife criticized him because he stripped off to his justice, you know, almost his underwear, you know, and danced before the Lord. And she said, this is an utter disgrace, you're the king. He showed his passion. But we also see about David his vulnerability, his humanness. Because we see in Psalm 51, there's a very profound psalm. We're not going to read it together, but if you're taking notes, just not jot it down. And it's about David. And the psalm consists because David, one day, he should have been out fighting. He was on enjoying the luxuries of the kingdom of the palace. He was king by this time. And a beautiful woman caught his attention and she was bathing as the custom was. He was already in a relationship, married. And he called for this woman because he was the king. And he lay with her, he slept with her, he committed adultery with her. That's the Bible terms. And he he, he made her pregnant. And we see how God's judgment came on this man and upon this baby. And we see his heart his vulnerability, his humanness, for all to see one verse, just to say that David pens this. He says in Psalm 51, verse 17, he's saying to God, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. 
want to tell you there's many times I've made mistakes, failures. And are we quick to really say before God, I am sorry that I've sinned against you and I've sinned against myself. You know, I come across a lot of people who aren't broken in their spirits. They're not broken in their spirits. They're just sorry that they were caught out. But here we see the humanness of David. And this is why God said about this man, he's a man after my own heart. And he goes on to say, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh God. What I'm trying to say is this man, David, that we laud as this great king, and he was, there was a humanness to him. There was a failure around his life. There were many mistakes that he made for all to see. So what we're not speaking about is perfection here. We will still make mistakes. Can I hear a big amen? But the fact is, it's our heart towards God and towards others that counts. You know, success for some is, as I said, is going through life, avoiding fails, failures. Whereas I believe success is facing our failures that may knock us down, but will not keep us down. Again, failure has no power over our lives. But there's two things that I want to just mention before we just speak into a few principles about developing that fearless spirit because we've got to deal with them I call them two agitators or provocateurs these two agitators and provocateurs we have to deal with if we're going to enter into a fearless courageous gutsy ballsy kind of life the first thing we have to do is we have to understand this failure has the same name Failure has the same name. It says here that Goliath, in 1 Samuel 17 verse 8, Goliath, everybody say together, Goliath, turn to the neighbour next to you and say, Goliath, he stood up and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. This Goliath, by the way, I want to give you a little bit of of, of understanding. He was nine foot, nine inches tall. He was a big dude. Uh, Chris, I don't know whether we've got that. Have we got that picture? Great. I'll show you this picture because um, I look like very small. That's me on the left. That's me on the left. And this is a guy who was playing NBA D-League um, three or four years ago uh, by the name of Paul Sturgis. He's from the East Midlands. He's seven foot six. Look how he makes me small. Uh, how, how small I look. And I'm six foot one and a half. The half is very important, by the way. Okay. Very, very important. But I'm, I'm six foot one and a half. He's seven foot six. He makes me look very, very small. Put another two foot on Paul Sturgis that's the size of Goliath he was a big dude very very big dude and he stood and shouted to the armies of God day after day why am I saying this well Goliath every name has a root meaning and I just delved a little bit this week because I thought I've never done this I thought I wonder what his name means his name means, it's from a root word, galah. And galah means to denude. Denude. It means to strip off. It means to expose yourself. 
in a very disgraceful way. So basically, you've got the image now, so we all need to now ask the Lord to purify that image, I'm sure. But, you know, this man was basically stripping off, exposing himself to the armies of God. That's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. He was trying to bring shame to the people of God. Actually, it wasn't shame to him. He was shaming the people of God by saying, you won't even send me anybody. I'm exposing you for who you are. You're a weakling. You're a failure. You're a nothing to me. (laughs) You may say, well, what application does this have to me? Well, numbers of you have got failed marriages. And this is what happens to you. You feel embarrassed and shamed by it. You've committed adultery. You have a business failure like me. Your kids are off the rails. You've been in prison. Let me tell you, it's all the same name. It's all Goliath. It's all Goliath. It's all trying to expose you and embarrass you and to bring a stigma to your life. All it's trying to do is just bring you down. It's designed to make you powerless. But I want to tell you the antidote to this failure, because it all has the same name, is found in James 5 verse 16. Because it says here, if you have sinned, you should tell one another that what you have done. And then you can pray for one another and then you can find healing. I want to say that if we are living under the cloud of failure, then you need to find someone that you can confide in who has just great integrity, that you can trust, that they can walk a journey with you. You see, the thing that brought you shame, it has no hold over you. Can I hear an amen? There are things that have tried to hold me. I want to say, it has no hold over me. Turn it on its head. You are loved. You are forgiven. Your shame has been removed. Can I hear an amen here this morning? Listen, failure will not define you, but it will distinguish you. Often people are walking around with failure over their lives. It defines them. No, no, I'm throwing off all that definition and I'm going to say this is going to distinguish me. It's going to make me who I am. It's going to walk me into greater victories in Jesus' name. And we have to let go and we have to rename our lives. You know, if we do not give, deal with failure, it will give birth to fear and fear is relentless. This is the second agitator. This is the second provocateur. Failure and fear go hand in hand. Very quickly, 1 Samuel 17 verse 16, again from the story of David and Goliath, we see Goliath shouting, send me a man, exposing himself to the armies of God. But he goes one further. Because it says in 1 Samuel 17 verse 6, 16, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion Goliath strutted in front of the Israelite army. I want to say, do your maths, morning and evening, twice for 40 days. He was strutting 80 times. Listen, I can strut. Oh my goodness. But I don't know whether I want to be strutting 80 times. He was strutting before the people of God day after day, day after day, because fear is relentless. 
If we do not deal with it, if we do not cut it off at its source, it will continue to play a tape, play a recording in your mind and in your heart, morning, afternoon, And evening, am I speaking to anybody today? I will say this, I think I'm preaching far better than you're, you know, know, receiving it this morning. I do want to say this with all my heart, because it's important that we understand this. You know, this fear that is relentless is like a bad curry. This fear, it just keeps on repeating itself. And the antidote to this is God's word. This is why it says in the Bible, meditate on God's word day and night. Day and night. And this word meditate means to regurgitate. Regurgitate on God's word. You see, because perfect love drives out all fear. Fearless looks fear and failure in the face and advances. It's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of failure. It's saying I'm not going to live there. They have no power over my life. They are not going to keep exposing themselves to me. They're not going to keep embarrassing me. I will not live under any shame any longer. I've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Is anybody hearing me today? I am forgiven. I am loved. And it's interesting that David, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, as a result of this strutting, as a result of this, him shouting out this this giant, he goes to the king and he says to the king in verse 32, King, let no one lose heart. On account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. This failure, this fear that could grip us all had no power over this young man, David. So what am I I talking about? Well, I want to call something out of you. I want to call something out of you this morning because it's no good just hearing these messages and that's all lovely. I literally want to call something out prophetically over this congregation today. I want to call out that fearless husband, that fearless wife. I didn't say fearful, I said fearless. I want to call out that fearless student. I want to call out that fearless young person, that fearless couple. I want to name those people. Mel, I want to say... You are fearless in God. Amen. I want to call it out of you, Stuart. I want to call it out of you in Jesus' name, Adam and Tracy, as you take up the baton of marriage. I call it out of you as a couple, a fearless couple in Jesus' name. Is Corey here today? Where's Corey? There he is. Corey, you were on my mind here very, very much when I wrote it down. I actually wrote your name. I call it out of you, Corey, that fearless spirit. In Jesus' name. I know I'm embarrassing you now in this moment, but that fearless spirit that's going to rise within you, that's going to affect many, many people in Jesus' name. I call it out of you. Corey, I call it out of you now in Jesus' name. I believe it in Jesus' name over your life. Amen? Amen. Some of you have never been used to stuff like that, but I want to tell you, there's great power as we call it out of people in Jesus' name. Where's Tracy? She was the other one. Tracy Bainbridge. Is it Tracy? Bus drive, Pemberton, where's the, where's, there she is. You were the other one. Tracy, I call it out of you. I was just praying this morning. Just asking, the, there must be some anointing over this side of the room. It's, I call it out of you in Jesus' name. That fearless, 
that fearlessness to rise within you. You're a bus driver, right? Yes, you drive that bus. Oh my goodness, you need to be fearless as you're on those roads. Seriously. I call it out. Now, that's great. Call it out. But how can I equip you? Well, three very simple things because this clock, I'm sure they quicken it on for me. I'm sure they just fast forward it. There's three things that I want to just help you that I think will equip you to live this kind of fearless life, this confidence, assured, peaceful life. I think the first thing is, number one, you need to know your P's. You need to know your P's. What am I talking about? Well, I think it's important that you know your passion, your purpose, and your priority. If you're going to live a fearless life, this means you've got some direction. You've got something that gets you out of bed in the morning. I know I talk a lot about this. I talk a lot about it, not because I've got nothing new to say, because I see so few people live like it. This life is so brief. We're here today and gone tomorrow. We were driving with Caroline and I. We had, we were, we had no children with us. We were both at the youth program. And uh, Annie, of course, has got married. And Eleanor was at the youth, youth program. And Caroline started to reminisce. She says, where is the days gone? Where is the time gone? She says, I re- still remember when we was on our honeymoon. And we parked the car in that car park. And, and we were walking you know, to, the, to the restaurant that we was visiting. We just went to a little Devon we have just a cottage in Devon. And she says, and I still remember it. And I says, I do too. I remember the smell. It's just wow, yeah. it's 25 years ago. Where has it gone? And very few people live their lives with purpose and with passion and priorities. And that's why, you know, there's no sense of direction. That's why they're full of fear and full of failure. Listen, there's nothing special about me, you know that. But I tell you what I am doing, I'm living with the three P's. I know my, I know my P's. I know my passion, I know my purpose, I know my priority. And David, let me take it to him again in this story. Because we see at verse 7, um, yeah, 1 Samuel 17, um, he was basically, verse 32 before we get there, it'll come on the screen. David was basically minding his own business He got involved in the story. Goliath shouting out to the armies of God. The king's fretting. The army are fretting. Day after day, 40 days, 40 nights. And basically what happens is David was looking after the sheep in his father's field and said, look, you need to take some supplies to your brothers who are in the army. So David gets caught up in the story. David is not even given a thought. David is not even on his dad's mind. He's almost a nothingness. And he goes into the, into the army lines, the army battles, and hears this uncircumcised Philistine shouting threats to the army of God and God himself. And something begins to happen in his heart. Because as a result of him hearing the cries of Goliath and the groans of the people, I've already read it, he goes to the king and says to him, verse 32, King, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Seasoned warriors were gripped with failure and they were on and fear and they were unwilling to advance. They were in the king's army, but none of them would go and fight him. 
The king then tries to dissuade him in verse 33. Because as a result of David saying this, the king then replies, you're not able to go out and fight against this Philistine and and fight him. You're only a young man. Some versions say a young boy. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David, listen to me. Know your peas. David, knowing his passion, his purpose, and his priority, replies. He said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. Anybody fancy taking on a bear and a lion? One of my favorite play- uh, shows on TV is about Alaska. And you see the grizzlies. You know, I don't fancy taking one of them on. This is who he was taking them on. And he didn't have a gun. By hand and club and sling. And he says, I killed it. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. There's the passion. There's nobody who's going to say anything against my God. We are the people of God. We need to begin to rise up as the people of God, with the strength of God, with the power of God, knowing his presence over our lives. Verse 37, the Lord has rescued me from the paw of the lion, the bear, and he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I have so much to say, but I'm just going to have to race through this. First of all, I want to say is this, passion is the very thing that you know that makes you come alive. So here's the question. What makes you come alive? What are you... Pa- and don't say, oh, I'm passionate about cars. You can have that. That's a hobby. I'm talking about your life. What are you passionate about? Some people here, you're not just nurses because it was a good career path. You're passionate about caring for people. Can I call you out and add fuel to you this morning? Some of you school teachers, you're not just doing it because of the pension at the end of it. That's a bonus. But what you are passionate about is teaching children. Can I hear an amen? And that's a passion. Some of you have a passion to, to sing and to perform and before the Lord. I want to just add fuel to you in Jesus' name. Whatever your passion is. Find it. What do you find yourself thinking and dreaming about? Some guys here are business guys. Not because you want to make money, but because you have a passion for business. And we want to begin to just add fuel, more and more fuel to you in Jesus' name. I really do think it's so important that we understand and we get to know our peace. And Growth Track Julie is part of that. Third week, discover your purpose. And then go and make a difference. And it may be that you need to connect to your small group leaders. There's many of you here today. If you're in a group, talk to your leaders. How do I find my my passion, my purpose? And then once you find those two, your priorities just lead you. I need to just say this. We need to move on. I'm not doing this because of the money. I I couldn't do anything other now. That's why you can't get rid of me. (laughs) You can't get rid of me. I am like a bad smell that just follows you around. Seriously, you cannot get rid of me. You stop me doing it here, I'll have to go and do it somewhere. 
Because it's part of who I am now. I've realized it. It took me a lot of years to discover it because I wanted to just not really get involved in it. But I've realized this is who I'm meant to be. This is my passion. This is my purpose. And then it causes me to live with priority. Secondly, if we're gonna if we're gonna live fearlessly, we've got to know our peas, we've got to trust our gut very quickly. 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. Saul tries to dress David in his armory. And he puts a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around. Sorry, I'm walking like this, but it's so heavy. He couldn't hold the, you know, because it says about Saul that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So Saul was probably 6'6". A big dude. I don't think Isaac was asking me again. He said, How big do you think David was? I said, I don't think he was that big, actually. I said, I could take him any day of the week. But anyway, I'm joking. <laughs> Probably not. He fights the lion and the bear. Because um, Isaac loves all that. Oh, could you take him, Dad? No, not into that, son. We don't, we don't, we're, not, we're lovers, not fighters, you know? <laughs> we're lovers, not fighters. Okay. You like that, John T? Okay. Bit of humor. Fastened his arm, it was too heavy for him. He wasn't used to them and he says, I cannot go in these. He said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. What am I saying? David trusted his gut. Second point, trust your gut. Trust your gut. It's not a nice phrase, I suppose, but I've realized more and more that if I'm going to live a fearless life, I need to take the counsel of people. The Bible says in the counsel of uh, multitudes, there's safety and there is. But there's sometimes, and some of you guys out there, you know it. You've got, just got to trust this instinctively. And you know where you need to go and you know what you need to be doing. And I'm learning more and more to trust my God. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is con- in control of my God. And he can speak to my God. And he can impress his thoughts on my God. And he can help me and show me what I need to be doing. You know, the people of God, we need to get to know his voice, trust him, trust ourselves. It makes no sense. It invariably does. It didn't hear. Go in the armory of the king. No, I can't. I've just got to go in what I am. You see, because God delights in taking the underdog and overwhelming the mighty. Why? So everyone can see that this is God. I read a book over Christmas. It so spoke to me. There's a statement in there where the man writes fear about the fear in the process of decision-making. And he makes this statement, it's worth writing down. Fear, dressed up as wisdom, provides poor counsel. Fear, dressed up as wisdom, provides poor counsel. At times I've had very well-meaning people, very nice people, even godly people, come to me and give me counsel, but it's been driven by their fear. Not by God's counsel. Fear dressed up as wisdom provides poor counsel. God doesn't give us all the answers. He wants us to figure things out. Thirdly, and lastly, so much more I could say about that. If we're going to live a fearless life, it's not just about trusting your God and you know, walking into all that God has has for us and knowing your passion, your purpose, your priority. The third thing which I think is really important is honing your skills. Last thing I want to say is this. David, we've read it, was fighting the lion and the bear while he was an unknown. 
while he was forgotten, while he was in obscurity. He was practicing his slingshot on trees and leaves. doesn't say that in the Bible. He was a young boy. And he could see that leaf on that tree and he thought, I'm going to take that little leaf out. been honing his skill yeah, good. when nobody was watching him yeah. when everybody had forgotten him when he was in utter obscurity I say to a lot of young preachers because I'm not so young now just live with obscurity yeah. God wants to elevate you out of obscurity that's his business whatever God's asked you to do You do it in the quiet places. Because there's one who sees everything. His name's Jesus. And at the proper time, he will lift you up and exalt you. If that is his purpose for your life. You know, we must not neglect the day of small beginnings. What God has started, he will complete. You have been prepared for all of this. All your faults, all your failings, all your mistakes. They are bringing you to a place of victory. Am I speaking to anybody today? Your life is not a disaster. There is a sense in which God knew all about your life. He knew the choices you were going to make. He knew the mistakes you were going to make. He's not happy about some of the decisions, the choices that you took. But they can be springboards into all that God has for us. For us to live this life that is utterly audacious and bold and courageous. We have to play like we're going to practice. I say to those who are in a sports context, you know, we've all seen them. These guys who are Forest fans, I'm sure these Forest players are brilliant at practice. The problem is, I'm not being edgy here, a lot of the teams, they can't then take it on to the real match. They bottle it. I say to our Isaac again, I said, play like, you know, in practice like you are going to do when the main match. Forget everybody else. Don't choke it. He has, a, he has a, a phrase called ice in your veins. What he means is like cold. It's not that he's doing anything in his veins. Please don't misinterpret that. But it's just like it goes. He'll hit a shot and he'll go, ice in my veins. So I say to him, do the parts, ice in my veins. To him, do your bed, ice in your veins. Okay, it's lost in It's no good doing it on the practice court. It's about doing it in the arena of life. And we have to hone our skills. No one is born a hero. It takes courageous decisions to get to this status. You want to be a hero to your kids? It takes courageous decisions. You want to be a hero to your wife? It takes courageous decisions. You want to be a hero to your staff? It takes courageous decisions to get to this status. No one is born a hero. We have to take the risks in life of adventure, securing the knowledge that I am loved by God in failure and success. David answered, you came at me with sword and spear and battle and axe. I came at you in the name of God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you 
over to me. I'm about to kill you. I'm about to cut off your head and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and the coyotes. The whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by the means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. And he is handing you to us on a platter. This is what he said to the Goliath, who was full of intimidatory fear and failure. He trusted the peas over his life, trusted his gut, and he, he just honed his skills and stepped into all that God had for him. Embrace failure as a teacher, not a friend or a foe. If failure comes handled correctly, it will come catapult you into greater victories. Step out, stop waiting, and live with bravery and strength, for he is with you, mighty warriors of God. Let's bow our heads.